These podcasts have to do with intuition and spirituality because it is so easy to think and feel spiritual without actually enabling this energy to create personal success for you. Hello, my name is Robert Hillier and welcome to Personal Success with Spirituality. And spirituality is a powerful force that many people simply neglect to use. Yet, when you know what to do, when you ask for help, when you recognise the inner messages that come from within, and when you allow yourself to be guided, you have the means to create the best version of yourself possible, plus the best life possible for you. Now, for the past 30 years, I've been helping people deal with and take charge of their inner feelings. And the focus has always been on heartfelt feelings and intuitions because this is where the drive to do things comes from. And in this particular podcast, I'm talking with Andrew, who's not his real name, who's um, been married for almost 30 years and he's had an extramarital affair. And I guess this is what was been going on for him. usually when one or both partners have affairs. It doesn't have to be destructive, but it usually is. And the reason people have affairs is because the relationship they're in now is incomplete. It's not serving their needs fully. And I'm, I usually find that people try to talk about this or try to deal with, with issues and they can't. So one or both of them says, right, oh, we're going to do something which was, has to be resolved. And when you have an affair, it has to be resolved. So they have an affair and they get caught. I believe that second part is also very deliberate because when people have affairs, they're desperately saying, hey, my my needs are not being met. I have to be getting more from this. Now, at that point, there's two choices. The first is the most common choice. Right, are you having an affair? Get out of there. Goodbye. You've, You've... You've um, betrayed me, you've cheated me, I never want to speak to you again, get out of my life, and no way in the world am I ever going to respect you again and all the rest of it. Or the other way is to say, whoa, what's going on? How come you had an affair on me? What are we doing? Let's talk about this. Let's work this through. The second way has the potential of keeping the family together, but it's not always possible. In these next three podcast that I'm making, it's with a family where the husband did have an affair, the wife did decide to stay together, and they have done a lot of work together. Here's the first podcast, the discussion I had with the husband, Andrew. The second podcast is a discussion I had with the wife, Zara. And the third podcast is the discussion I had with their daughter, Nikita. I hope you enjoy Good evening, Andrew. Good evening, Rob. How are you going? I'm very, very good, thank you. This is a relationship that has been very, very successful for how long have you been together for? 28 years now. You have a child who's... 18. And like every relationship, this relationship got into some difficulties and it ended up with you having an affair. But this affair did not break up the relationship. And actually the relationship is stronger now than it's ever been because... In this case, it was handled differently. A awful lot of people, as soon as one partner has an affair, in most relationships, the other partner says, well, that's it, go, I'm not having anything more to do with you, you're gone, I know the way this works, 
I also know that when people have an affair and they come back, they make all these promises and it goes again. But this one is not going to go like that because you guys have both worked very, very hard on yourselves. And in my view, you've both taken responsibility for your part in whatever that happened. And, and I know as I'm saying this, there'll be some listeners out there who are really going to be finding that very hard to handle. For me, an affair happens when the relationship is no longer functioning and it's incomplete and one or both partners, in this case was both partners to be quite honest, one or both partners are not getting the fulfilment and the satisfaction and the growth that they're after. In most cases, one partner goes out and does the unthinkable and believe me, when you have an affair, you can't ignore that. It has to be dealt with. Either that or you break up, in which case you break up and you're left with the problems and they come with you. So what was it like for you? And I found at at the end that I was uh, collapsing on the inside. Uh, I had pillars of support and all of those pillars being the type of person I was, was my wife was my best friend, uh, my partner, my lover uh, and and every aspect of my life. And I wasn't a social butterfly. I didn't didn't go out, didn't catch up with friends, didn't do anything with anybody outside of our relationship. Zara was my social calendar. And I guess as time went on and uh, elements of the way in which I started to close down because of my background. I didn't talk to Zara as much as I wanted to. Uh, I didn't reach out for the help that I needed to with people that would have served me better. I followed a path that uh, I found comfortable and that just happened to be uh, a friend slash ex-partner lover from before I met Zara and it was comfortable to talk to her. And at the same time, uh, it was also the wrong thing for me to do because I opened up probably a bit too much and then connected and and then the next thing was sex. And the reason I'd reached out wasn't because of the sex, but it ended up being the crux or the glue that kept us together. When you say your background, just briefly, what what is your background? Because your background, you're quite right, is quite crucial to this whole matter, isn't it? Yeah, so I was adopted. Uh, back in 1974, the the crux of that was I was adopted th- through the Catholic Church. Never ever got to touch my mother, other than being birthed, and uh, was adopted out two months after that to a family. And the the Just hang on, you were taken away from your mother. Yep, looked after. You were put into care, fostered for two months. In foster care for two months, and then you're adopted two months later. Correct. Yep. Right. So, so that's one, two, three change. Or it's two changes. You've, that was surely your third primary caregiver by the time you were adopted. Yep. And so, so once I'd been adopted to to this nice family, uh, I got got given all the things that I I feel I needed or wanted, other than emotional connection. My adoptive mother was very manipulative and, and controlling, uh, used emotions in a very, very strong way as, as a bargaining chip. Actually, there was an emotional connection, wasn't it? It's a problem that it was toxic. It was a tox- very toxic. A yeah. very toxic emotional connection, yeah. And I guess because of that also, my father was also a very distant person. Yep, 
Yep, that's your adoptive father. And um, he had an affair? Yeah, well, he had an affair, but I guess I didn't know about that until very, very recently in the last two or three months. Yeah, you didn't consciously know about it. Because it's interesting in some ways you mimicked his behaviours. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. How come you decided not to sort of say, end of this one, I'm out of here, this is too hard, I'm going off somewhere else, I'm going to go and have a good time? Or How come you decided to stay? And Because in staying it was a lot of work and there's a lot of really, really, um, quite a lot of emotional work you've been doing. I know that. I'd had three years, three and a half-ish years of an affair and I guess through that I'd realised that I was... Um, I'd realised that I'd pulled away from my wife emotionally. I'd realised that uh, through that time I was trying to find something else and in trying to make a connection with the person that I was having the affair with, as time went on I realised I was also pulling away from that person. I then realised that I was the issue. That no matter where I went I was going to be in the same problem. Your mode of operation is to pull away and not get too close, not get too intimate and don't and not really connect with anyone, was that right? Correct, yeah. I, yeah. I started to collapse on the inside because of that, so I thought I, I need to work on myself and, and better myself in that regard, uh, otherwise I'm just going to be in the same boat no matter where I go and who I see. And, of course, from my point of view, if you go back to the fact that you were adopted, what do you have to do on that very first day? You've got to cope with being taken away from the person upon whose... Um, care and care and nurturing it depends your survival. Correct. So very, very early on in day one of your life, you're taken away from what you instinctively know and intuitively know to be the best option you've got for surviving. And oh, I'm thinking for the rest of your life, up until the affair, you've spent all the time being distant in some ways a little bit. Yeah, very much so. Uh, there was an element of having not not had, uh, and I guess the way I can best describe this is that having not had a blood relative. I knew about being adopted from a very young age, of, as far back as I can remember, at least four. I knew I was adopted. I had no sense of belonging. I knew I was contracted to my adoptive family. I understood everything from a logical perspective and uh, knew that I... My, my natural mother couldn't have looked after me in the way that she wanted to, hence she gave me away. But what I didn't realise is I had underlying anger. And the word contracted, what a very interesting word to use between the relationship between the, your mother, adoptive mother in this case, and yourself. This is not love, is it? This is contract. Mm. And, and from what I know of you, you spent all your life being, being obliged. Yeah, obligated, definitely. Obligated. Yeah. How do you feel now? <laughs> now, uh, I mean, compared to, say, four or five months ago, uh, a million dollars by comparison, uh, chalk and cheese. I guess having done a lot of work on myself uh, with, mm. with your help and, and obviously with uh, Zara's help, we've moved to a different level or state of being. So the interesting thing is that this relationship has worked really, really well because I do recall seeing you when you first got together and uh, it's a different person across the table from me now definitely and um, if I had the equipment back there I wouldn't have even asked you to do a podcast then I can tell you this is um, quite a different person so 
you've done a lot of work on yourself. Can you explain what what that was like? Because there's a lot of people out there who are listening to this and thinking, okay, what does this mean? You know, a male doing work himself. How does a male do work on, him, on himself? Because a lot of males won't. I guess for me doing work on myself, I already had a realisation that I had an issue and that I had already emotionally slumped to a point where I couldn't, I could go further. I have been further in the past, uh, but I didn't want to progress any further from where I was. And, and I had some realizations through that, uh, that I wasn't looking for extra sex. I wasn't looking for uh, another wife. I, I wanted better connections with the people that I had already got relationships with high school friends, uh, my wife, uh, my daughter. And, and, and then I guess I, at the same time, I also realised through part of it as our daughter's getting older that uh, I was gradually starting to pull away from her. So I sort of realised where I needed to go to some degree, but I just didn't know how to, how to get there. So to do the work on myself was something I needed to do. Uh, I just didn't feel I knew the way to do it, and, but I, I was prepared to do anything I guess to, to to get there this time around yeah so really having an affair was a it was almost an act of desperation on your part I yeah I don't think I could have got I don't think I could have gone deep enough emotionally to be able to push through not not in this not in this time frame that we have uh, have done it in not to say that people don't do the work that I've done quicker uh, sorry not to say that people don't do the work that I've done uh, over time but I still don't feel that I, I would have achieved the uh, emotional depth that I needed to given mm. what I did. I've come across men, I know men who just have multiple affairs all their life and that's how they keep their marriage together. That's what they do. That's, that keeps them happy, so to speak, mm. because they don't have to do the hard work. And it's not, well, I don't know, it's, it's hard work, but there's a depth you've reached now and... I guess what you're saying is you're happier now than you've ever been. Yeah, and and it's still a work in progress. We both, both Sarah and I know that, but we're we're prepared to do um, continual work on ourselves, and and, and I, we've opened up our communication immensely. We, we've gotten to the point where we 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 feel we have to be as as open as possible, so that we're not manipulating the relationships or whatever we whatever we choose to do. We're not. Uh, we're, tr- we're not trying to hold each other in a relationship. We're not trying to ask them to, to be in a situation where they may or may not want to be, and and at the same time, we also may not want to be. Yep. Your what? Your daughter? Did she have a part to play in you deciding to do the work on yourself? Because I know that when she was born, you really, really, and truly connected with her. Yeah. Well, I guess that was part of the adoption thing. As a when, for me, when our daughter was born. She became my connection to my past and also the connection to my future because I can potentially become a grandfather, etc. But at the same time, even though I'd met my natural mother and my natural father uh, prior to her birth, I was more acquaintances with them. Didn't have a mother-child relationship or father-child relationship with them. But having finally a blood relative in my life, it was the first time I'd ever felt without wanting to upset Zara too much. It was, it was the first real... Uh, I, um, Genetic connection you've had, or blood, blood relative, yeah, you're quite right. 
because unconditional love yep. aspect. Uh, yep. I have immense love for, for Zara and in that I've wanted to do the work that we've done to to get to where I've been and wanted to do it with her. But it was the it was uh, the first time I'd actually felt unconditional love from a genetic level, yeah. And of course, the reason you felt an unconditional love, my this is my my theory now, because you've got this little innocent little child there, and what you just knew that you could love this child, and the child was going to unconditionally love you. Mm. So that, that you're this child, this baby was very safe to love. And it's probably the first time you've ever really felt safe to love anyone or anything unconditionally in such a way. Uh, yeah, correct. But I mean, uh, at the same time, I did realise, hence why I really needed to do the work, was because yeah. I felt I was pulling away from her. Right. Yes. Okay. So she's been pivotal in the whole thing. Now, this is the part I love. How come you got caught? <laughs> well, I guess I'd been relatively covert. Uh, for for quite some time I'm believing that I started to become careless for a reason Uh, I left my phone with emails on it that I hadn't deleted on my on my desk and Zara decided to to check some some time and uh, the the emails were were there blatantly and yeah standing out had you done that before or was that the first time Uh, to my knowledge it was the first time or it was maybe I'd done it a couple of times prior to in the weeks leading up to, but uh, I guess it was the first time. From my point of view, you would have continued to do that until Zara found them. I've said this to you. I believe that you you went out of your way to deliberately make sure you got found out in court because I think you were desperately unhappy, didn't know where to go, had no strategies at all for going forward, felt totally, totally trapped... So, yeah, let's stir things up a bit. And there's nothing like an affair to stir up a relationship, I'll tell you. Yeah, I, I, knew, I, I knew I definitely wasn't going to be able to do anything by myself and it was either make or break, but either way, it was going to be better than, I guess, where I was taking things. Yeah. I've said to you in the past, but I knew a lady once who had an affair with a man for 17 years and her husband had no idea. Never, ever knew. And if he did know, he just kept it quiet. But that was a status quo. It worked well. Not a problem at all. She didn't want to get caught, and I don't think he wanted to know. And they, you know, they continued on there. And then when he passed away, the lady who in question, she went and got with her, with her, uh, the man she'd been in the fair with. And then, then, of course, that relationship started to have a few problems, which is another story. Because the whole dynamics had changed. So, what's the big learning for this in this for you, Andrew? The big learning for Mm. me has been, I guess, primarily in our in our relationship is to. I've never been able to figure out the best way to say it, and I can't use expletives. So uh, it's it's more to the point of just being as open and as honest as humanly possible, and being able to not be concerned with the outcome uh, of whatever I say. Uh, if if our relationship was meant to work, then whatever I had to say was going not going to matter, our relationship would work. 
if our relationship wasn't meant to work, then whatever I say was going to end the relationship and that would, would be for the benefit of both Zara and myself. It wouldn't be that I was trying to manipulate our relationship anymore and that if we were going to stay together, the, the best way to do that would be as open and as honest as humanly possible. In my, from my point of view, if you didn't do that, it's all over, over. Yeah. Eventually. Because yeah. I would have still been the same person. Uh, I still would have been manipulating circumstances to meet what I wanted or what I needed and and that's not not fair on myself or, or especially not fair on Zara or our daughter. How confident are you that the uh, another affair won't happen in the future? <laughs> a million and one percent. Not that you can be that way, but a hundred percent. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I asked that question because along the way, as we as we were talking, you weren't you weren't that you weren't that confident, were you? No, we we uh, hit break. <coughs> pardon me. We hit breaking point uh, many times over the last few months, but we we hit stumbling points and. Once we broke through those stumbling points, it was as if nothing could separate us again until we hit another stumbling point. And we, we, we are still hitting stumbling points occasionally, but we've learned, or we are learning, the techniques to, to better communicate. And what's the technique that you're using most of all? <sighs> well, I guess at the moment, as soon as we feel, for myself, as soon as I feel uh, triggered by an emotion that lasts for longer than 10 or 15 minutes, I'm... I'm noticing that, working on that within myself and where I feel I need to, uh, opening that up with Sarah and we, we talk about it and we spend time actually discussing those negative emotions. It sounds like when you are talking with Zara, whatever comes up, you, you say it. Yeah, yeah there, there's no holding back nowadays. Uh, of course, from my point of view, that's, that's, um, that's ideal. Very rare though. Very rare for males to be like that. Women are often like that, but males are really like that. And um, because you know, women just—I don't know. This is this is my own my own observation. Women tend to be more obvious, tend to be able to talk about this stuff, and tend to handle intimacy and handle emotion differently. And um, yeah, for a male, it can be quite quite difficult. And but right now, that's once you learn, once you learn it, away you go. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're still stumbling a little bit, but we're, we're getting better with the, the techniques, for sure. Yeah. Of course you're stumbling because there's other, other stuff to be dealt with along the way. Mm. Yeah. Anything you'd like to share before we finish and, and uh, then you can swap seats and your lovely wife can get in the seat? Uh, I've probably got a million things I'd like to say, but uh, I don't think the podcast would be anywhere near long enough. <laughs> What sort of things would you like to say? Uh, I guess uh, it, I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to do the work that I did on myself without having reached the depths that I, did, that I got to, which I guess I've already mentioned. But getting the right help, uh, and and of course, meeting yourself, Rob, or, or somebody like you, who is prepared to push my buttons. Uh, that's that was a big thing. And at the same time, with with Zara as well, I mean, for me to break through a lot of what I broke through uh, was constantly being pushed in a, in a lot of cases in a very negative way, but it 
forced me to the breaking point and I stuck with it because I knew Zara wasn't going anywhere and if she was going to go somewhere she would have already left. We both, as I said, got to the point of breaking many, many times but I, I started to get to the realisation each and every time we broke through a little bit more she wasn't going anywhere and I think she started to realise I also wasn't going to go anywhere. And, and I think just that, that realisation where a lot of people that even I've spoken to through this journey recently, they don't have that belief in their partner and they tend to want to uh, pull away first or, or something like that. We, we gradually realise that we aren't going to go anywhere and we, we work through with each other. So that's, that's probably been a big thing for us that we, we went through the, the worst case of it and no matter what happened... We were going to come out, the worst case was we were just saying stuff to each other. We weren't going to come out of it and not be okay. My observation was that there was a time when you two were both terrified the other person was going to leave. And you were terrified to, to go up and, and talk too much, but you, but you worked through that. Yeah. Just to put it in perspective, because, yeah, that's the big one. That is the big one. And that's what closes people up. Yeah, very yeah, much so. Because from what I gather, when you when you guys were talking, you weren't just honest, you were brutally honest mm. at times. It was brutal. And you both decided to, to hang in there and and there were times when you both would say, well, it can't go on, I've got to stop this now. I've got to go. And you'd both say it. <laughs> you'd both say it at the same time. And I thought, hello, either they're going to go through or they're going to have a breakthrough. And, of course, each time you had a breakthrough. Thank you for your op open honesty and it's one thing to sort of go through all this stuff but to sit there and explain it and then you're going to listen to it back again. So, so that's good. Uh, thanks, Rob. Yeah. Thanks for all the help. My pleasure.